Hello, bonjour, welcome and bienvenue to the Football English Podcast. I'm your host Liam, and once again this week I'm joined by Tom. Hello everyone. And Jonathan. Hey everyone, nice to be here. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing the recent match against Angers, the impact that new signing, the Brazilian saviour Tete from Shakhtar Donetsk had to um, inspire us to a 3-2 win with his second touch on the pitch. Um, obviously, the Europa League is the pinnacle of Leon's season now, winning last time out against Porto. We'll be discussing that a little bit and how we can translate that into what's going to be a difficult couple of matches against West Ham home and away. We're recording on the Wednesday, so we'll be playing West Ham tomorrow. With This may be out before, and if not, still there'll be some good stuff on West Ham, obviously, first hand with a, a couple of us being really interested in English football. We've we've got some sort of insight on them. Um, and other than that, we'll be talking about Maxon's Kakare's injury as well. It's... Um, not the nicest end to the podcast, but hopefully we can start with a positive note and that being Angers. Obviously, last time out against Angers, it was um, a bit less said the better, really, with the 3-0 uh, defeat. Probably the most, emba- well, Rennes may be up there, but the most embarrassing performance of the season. Mangani and Co really causing us trouble. I guess, really, compared to that performance, Jonathan, um, could you see an improvement in what we've done probably in the six or seven months since that game? It's hard to say because it's such an up-and-down season. Um, we did score three goals, which is good because we had a problem scoring goals for a long time. Um, but again, it was a, a pretty good first half with possession and control. But in their heads, they just as soon as they have a lead, they can't follow through. And so once again... They let Angers back, who is quite poor. I think Angers had not won in a long time. Um, and he looked back, you know, all the way in to tie the game and even have a chance to take the lead. And then, you know, thankfully we, you know, 2-1, 2-2 again. And if it wasn't for a moment of magic from this new arrival, you know, we would have lost or lost points um it, it kind of reminds me of Tete's like he arrived and he still doesn't have the Lyon DNA so he still can win games but soon we're going to corrupt him and he's going to be poor and he won't be able to do this so enjoy it while it lasts he doesn't know yet that we don't win games like this so disappointing I mean, great result because you know at this point every game needs to be won especially against weaker opponents and our calendar is quite favorable if you look at because we played all the tough teams first. So if we went on a series of runs, hypothetically, it could be good. But in this match specifically, there's 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 no way to say in this season that we're doing well and there's something being built. It's, it's you know, next year we're going to throw everything away and restart. So it's a, I, I think we're just going to be happy with it now, try to find some enjoyment in, in the win and uh, think about better better days to come. This was certainly a better day than going back for seven months ago. I remember the podcast after that, and, you know, we were all a bit desolate after that. I guess one of the key attributes to that defeat earlier in the season was uh, was the defending. I don't think you could really say that we defended much better this time. Both goals coming from crosses, which both just nobody thought to deal with, you know, going through three players. The first one, Gusto, comes out to him, tries to stop the cross, doesn't manage to... Then Luke Haber and Boateng just decided, let's just shake hands in between each other, you know, let's 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 not even bother trying to clear the ball. And then Pereira Large taps it in at the back post. Same again, really, with Bufal's goal. People missing across, it bounces. He pulls it in the bottom corner. Lopez dives the wrong way for some reason. You know, it was it <laughs> not a great performance defensively. Um, I guess really, is it something you attribute to Luke Aber and Boateng not playing together for a long time? I think we looked better when Thiago Mendes came in at centre-back, surprisingly. I think that's something we definitely have to address for, at least for West Ham, but like, Boateng looks out of place. He, I mean, his, his, his long balls, great, you know, the first half hour was great, but then any time he had to defend, he was like, do you know what? I, I don't, Wait, I'd play. Wait, wait, I need to wake up. I need to, you know, do something about this. 
but that's when he would wake up, you know, like there's that, I remember there's a long, like a, a through ball and you just like, you see him sort of running after the guy, but it's not even a strong attempt. It's just, it's, it reminds me of Evra when he was at Marseille. It was just him running with like a tank attached to his back. <laughs> it was just horrendous to watch. I felt bad for him because like, you're such an elite centre-back and you're like, your image is going through the window here. Um, but realistically, yeah, no, I mean, obviously playing with, not playing together as a centre-back partnership regularly is obviously not going to help. Placements is always difficult. I mean, I'm obviously not a elite centre-back, but I can guarantee you when I used to swap over centre-back parents, it's it's hard positioning-wise. And I definitely didn't have elite strikers going in my back. Um, not saying that Bowken is any elite striker, but you know he's 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 a professional at least. So you can definitely put it on lack of you know understanding between them. Uh, you could also put it down to Boateng barely playing in 2022 um, and just not being fit enough. I mean, I don't even know how he made it past the 60 hour the hour mark, uh, but it, it was a bit atrocious. And and uh, agree, Lopez is. Dive is is a bit small, like it really is. Uh, so, I, I I would say defensively, I think we were less worried than the first game. I think the first game we could have conceded like seven or eight. This time I don't see whether we were we were really going to concede more than two or three. So in that sense, maybe slightly better, but honestly, just not a great defensive performance. But you know what? We got the three points, and I think we have to focus on that at some point because that's not really something we can say much recently. Very much so, the three points. It is worth noting in the first game, Marcelo was playing at centre-back as well. So, you know, <laughs> probably uh, part of the performance there as well. But more on the positive note in the attacking play, obviously we'll touch on Tete in a bit, but... Uh, Moussa Dembele was really pinnacle to this win, Jonathan, with his brace. In the scale of things, the second one the keeper should probably do better, Mandrea, it just goes straight through him. But the first one is a nice ball from Ndombele, good finish as well. Is that the sort of form that gets you confident going into the, um, I guess, difficult run of games we've got coming up, which basically decides our season? I'm sure whenever a, a, a striker scores two like goals in play in a game, you know, it, it's a good good game. And if he does this every game, then we'd be in the podium of Ligue 1 and we'd be contending for Europa League. So um, I think this is a good time for him to be in form. He is in form. He, he, you know, since Marseille, since the beginning of the year, calendar year, he's been better than he was. So he still has a big issue with getting involved in the play. I just think it's not his style. He, he He's like trapped in the wrong body, you know, he plays like he's this big heading, you know, he's terrible at headers. He doesn't ever score on, on corner kicks or anything, but he has that body of a guy who would be good at that. Um, he's not particularly fast, but he's a good finisher. He does have that clinical one-on-one. He does do good. Um, so that's his main attribute, which is why he scores a decent number of goals. He scores more goals than many other strikers in, in you know, in, in Europe. So he's in form. I, I, I just think, um, you have to present him with good opportunities to score. Paqueta's pass was great. Got him right there. You know, great finish. Didn't think about it. So um, Dembele being hot is going to define our, our You know, like we talked about this podcast, we don't have anyone score goals. So Dembele is really one of the only few people who can score. We have Toko and maybe a few other goals here and there, but Really, the goals have to come from him, and he's the. If he doesn't score, we don't win. So, it all relies on him. You know, take all the penalties you want. You know, score us two goals a game, and I'll be happy. I think that you put it perfectly. Really, we just want him to score goals. I never thought I'd hear someone say that he's got imposter syndrome, <laughs> but I think it's a good analogy, really, in terms of. The fact when he gets in the final third and he's expected to be the one that's facilitating the play more than finishing off the chances, he uh, he's kind of caught in two minds whether to try and run down a blind alleyway or pass it backwards and basically lose the ball. But I think the fact we were making him the one finishing off the chances against Angers and 
Um, I think the midfield uh, behind him in terms of our uh, father and Paqueta worked well in terms of creating the chances for him and making sure he was the last man in the right positions. Uh, that particularly worked well, and Ndombele was really good in terms of progressing from midfield too. Um, in terms of positive performers, Tom, I think Ndombele for me is someone who um, may be a bit quiet since his excellent debut, but uh, were you impressed with him against Angers? And if so, is there anyone else that particularly stood out from you, your point of view? I just will wrap up on Ndombele. I have to underline the, the strong defensive work. I think that as a first front line, I think he definitely run down a few times the defender. So, um it's not something we've seen all that much this year uh, from the anyone really. So that's off to him for doing that. It's always great first line. Um, and Dumbledore, I mean, you always think that he's the guy that would stand out all the time. You know, he always loves to to get the ball and does not tricks, but you know, he's got this this move that he does all the time, and you'd expect him to stand out. I think he's. He's efficient now. I think you try and compare him, obviously, a lot of people compared it somehow to, to Pogba. Uh, and I think in that sense, there's like, you know, there's all the trickery that Pogba does and so on. But the best of Pogba is when he's playing simple. France 2018 World Cup is a great example. Maybe that's what Dobele needs to do, is just tone down a bit of the trickery and the going all around and just not focusing too much. Uh, and just be efficient and because he's doing it great. Um, is he a great replacement for Kakre? I don't you know, he, someone's got to do the, the dirty work and I don't think he's doing it quite perfectly, but we don't have much of a choice. <clears throat> but with Thiago Mendes back, I honestly, I think Thiago Mendes is going to go back centre-back. I don't see Bosch trusting Boateng again after that. Um, not saying that it raises completely the first part of Boateng's season, but we were so much more solid with with um, Tago Mendes back at centre back, which hurts me to say, but Tago Mendes was pretty good. Uh, you know, once he was back in the right position, felt like he completely lost any flair he had uh, when he uh, was playing at midfield. So hats off to to those two. And um, no, as I mean, I wasn't collectively. It was okay as a performance. I don't think individually there's nothing that really stands out. Obviously Paqueta had a few bright moments, but like, you know that for like an hour he's completely disappeared. Um, Fevre definitely was not his best game at the club. Um, didn't really do all that much. I will underline a strong let's say motivational performance from, from our. It wasn't great in the finishing, but he tried uh, which is not something we see all that much from him. So I remember specifically that first half hour where most of Leon players were really good. He just had like three or four shots in the space of 10 minutes. And just seeing him actively try to do stuff and get into the final throws and be dangerous, that's, that's a change. Uh, so hats off to him. If he can start bringing back the, the boots he left in Lisbon for the final eight, then we'd all be really happy about. But... Um, even if he does want to leave the summer, which he probably does, um, he's going to have to put in some better performances. Otherwise, he's going to end up at West Ham. Or I mean, West Ham would be a good destination in terms of league position. As I was more thinking, like bottom of the Premier League area or something random in Spain, not anywhere near uh, the Manchester Cities and Bayern Munich that he was promised after the final eight. So he needs to get himself back up there, and there's promise in that game. Now he needs to be a bit more efficient and clinical. Yeah, I think you put up a good summary of, I guess, some positive performances. I'd agree with Awari. I remember one of the shots, but he comes in off the left at about 25 yards and it whistles just wide of the post. His finishing's not been great. I think since he moved from that number 10 area where I think he scored like three in five or something like that earlier in the season. I particularly remember him scoring a couple of goals in the Europa League from that position. I think that's probably where most of the chances, if you're in more central areas, you're probably going to get better shooting positions. But that is something he needs to work on. You're right, if he wants to move to Bayern or Liverpool or even Manchester United, someone of that ilk. Um, in terms of negative performances, from my point of view, not negative, but I just think it's quite a good talking point. I wanted to get both your opinions on it. Is, um Emerson, it was reported a couple of weeks ago that 
it doesn't look likely that he's going to sign his new uh, sign a deal with Leon permanently. Um, I think based on the fact it's probably too expensive and what he's produced isn't what was expected. You know, he came in with alongside Boateng and Shakiri, to be honest, as as a winner, winning the Europe, uh, European Championship with Italy in the summer, winning the European Cup with Chelsea, and everybody thought, you know, we've got somebody here who's a reliable left back's going to go forward, create chances. Are you seeing that? Maybe not. Angers is probably not the best example. I don't think he had a stellar game. I don't think he was particularly poor either. But are you? What What would you say about him? Are you underwhelmed with him? For me personally, I just think he's pretty average. You know, he's not bad. He's not great. He does a job. Is he somebody we want to, you know, have at Leon for the next three years as left back? Not really. I think it kind of proves we've got a bad reputation of signing Italian fullbacks on loan after Mattia De Ciglio. But yeah, what 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 are your opinions on Emerson really and I guess his performance against Angers? It's something we've seen twenty times this season already, Jonathan, you know, just five or six out of ten, quite average. Um I have to say, I I think things went downhill after the winter break when he had that uh, Chelsea rumor coming back home. I think he wanted to go home. He wanted to go back to Chelsea, earn a spot, play the Champions League, and that would have been good for him. So I think he he's not back in the mindset of wanting to be at Lyon anymore. Um, so I think there's a, a big change in his, his mentality. I don't want to forget that when he first came in, I was shocked at how it felt good to have a left back. So I don't want to be comfortable. He doesn't make many mistakes. He didn't play well in Angers, but usually... You can re- rely on him defensively. He doesn't get beat that often. So it's there's a p- player there who plays in his position. Whether he brings, we knew he doesn't bring up uh, a lot of um, stats offensively. When when he first got recruited, and I looked into him, he had like only a few assists in his whole career. I mean, he really is not a uh, productive uh, attacking player. He's mostly a defensive t- Italian who doesn't get beat. And so it's nice to have someone who who plays the position correctly. So because we had three years of you know, Kone and then whatever. So I'll, I won't take it for granted, but I don't think he's the future of the club either. Not only does he want, doesn't want to be there, he's expensive, and we can find someone who fits our, our profile better. We need uh, more attacking wingers because we play in a league where we have a lot of possession and we need attacking players. We can't always defend. No. In Liga, most of the games we play, we have 60-70% possession, so we have to take advantage of that and get, you know, players like close and I know it's on the right wing, but players with that mentality who can deliver assists and goals. So, um, no, Emerson's not the future. I think we all know that. I think he knows that. It still was a successful loan. He still played every game pretty much, and hopefully we win the Europa League and it's, you know, all forgotten. So let's see what happens. But uh, it, it was a good a good transfer. Because we had no other options, Enrique is, is is worse than him. Even though they kind of, it's kind of sad to see that they kind of reached. You no, know, Emerson has downgraded, and 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 Emerson and Enrique has improved a lot. So it's like, uh, they kind of looked alike too. So can't really tell which one's playing. Um, but you know, Emerson's a good a good get, I think. But he's not the future, definitely. Are you of the same opinion, Tom? Do you think that would you mark the transfer as good? I mean. For me, the Angers performance, I think something you said about uh, him wanting to go back to Chelsea is possibly right, Jonathan, in the fact when, you know, a club like Chelsea playing the Champions League again, they're in the Champions League quarterfinals tonight against Real Madrid. Looking, I've just seen teams, Aspilicueta is starting at left wing back. You'd think he'd probably be starting the game based on the fact that Chilwell's injured. Um, so yeah, you're probably right in that side of things. It's something that's affected his mentality. But in terms of the transfer itself, Tom, are you of the opinion that it's been good, or would you veer on more of the side it's been average? It's been it's been between both. I think it's a six, you know, because we know that his start of the season was really good. I think he even showed um, attacking output and so on. Um, I think similar to Boateng, it's sort of gone down since Christmas. Um, and I agree, Enrique definitely had some decent performances around Christmas. I remember a, a pretty good game against Rangers, I think, the return leg. 
um, and some decent performances here and there. Um, but we also saw Emerson playing left wing, which was just just a terrible idea. Um, I think a lot of Chelsea fans believe that he's better than Marcus Alonso and they, he, he should have been the one that stayed, but because no one put it in office for Alonso, that is why Emerson left. Um, and I sort of agree. I, don't, I haven't seen that much of Alonso recently, but um, for what we have, I think, obviously, as, as Jonathan said, it's better than Maxwell. It's better than... Honestly, I think it's probably better than Melvin Barr. By, by time, so I think he's got the experience and has shown that he's a bit. Nothing Bar does make a lot of mistakes. I uh, watched quite a bit of Nice. Uh, he, he's very in, uh, not injury prone, but mistake prone, especially defensively. Uh, might be better going forward, but when we've been so leaky over the last two or three years, I think having someone good defensively is probably a priority. And well, we've got that, so it's it's a six six and a half out of ten i think um hopefully he keeps up that performance level uh just to not make it somewhat sour at the end of the season and i hope that the recruitment cell has started thinking about other people you know you think around us who's who's got what type of players i'm thinking of ren who are supposed to be somewhat in our field adam truffer is one of the best left backs in the league um obviously paris have got Probably one of the best left backs in the next ten years with Nuno Mensch. That's just that's just it. But around us, there's not that many great left backs. I mean, Melvin Barr obviously plays for Nice now, but there's not that many choices. Um, and yet, everyone seems to be doing somewhat better than us. Uh, so need to think outside the box, think a bit further. Maybe follow what Haas is doing and go to Scandinavia and start recruiting there as well. Um, Make just great options. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd go for Spinazzola, but that's just never going to happen. Um, so, if we want to continue that Italian trend of having Fabian, Fabio Grosso, and Emerson and Decilio and then Spinazzola, I mean, it'd be a huge upgrade. Um, but I think we need to start thinking about who's next because Enrique is not the future. I, I see it coming though. If we don't get Europe, Emerson's going to go back home. And we're going to have Enrique as a starting left back. And it's like, oh my God, what is this? So um, let's try and do something about that and try and recruit someone who's actually really good. Um, because we all know that in modern football, having good wing backs is essential. And when you see the performance, as much as they keep hated, uh, Malogusto's performance on Sunday or uh, was not perfect, but was pretty great. And to see that Leo Dubois is going to be starting on Thursday night again just disappoints me. But um, it's the way it is. So if we can have a decent right back, then maybe let's try and have someone good on the other side as well. I, I'm not familiar enough with the academy, but from what I understand, I don't think there's anyone that's coming up. I think it's mostly in attacking positions that there's exciting players uh, coming in. But uh looks like we're going to have to recruit again and let's try and make something good. Uh, this time around um, and avoid someone like Marcel Rebus or that type of vein of <laughs> signings, please. Yeah, I can't really think of any left-backs in the economy. No, really, no. Defensively, it's not great. On the left, but he's more of a right-sided player. Um, and then there's somebody called Heretia de Ons, but I don't even know if he's in the academy anymore. I just remember him from Football Manager a couple of years yeah. ago. He was half no, decent. But- it's only the attacking players that are really promising in the yeah. uh, the Gombardella squad, you know, El Arouche and and the striker. So it's uh, I don't think it's a left back we're supposed to expect anyone no. out of the vein of of Roberto Carlos. I don't know. This is not what we're going to expect in the next few weeks. I think Melvin Barb would have been given time. Wouldn't have been a bad player. I think the money we sold him for was a pretty poor transfer on our end. And I think when you look at the fact we spent. Half a million rising to a million pound based on performance related bonuses for Emerson. And the fact we sold, I think we sold Bard for an initial 3.5 million euros. We would have been better keeping Bard, trying to nurse him for a couple of seasons and seeing if he really became the left back people thought he could be, say, 18 months ago. But Again, I agree in terms of at Nice, he's been a bit shaky at times, but he's gone down that place. Hassan Kamara has gone to Watford. 
I think it is. So they obviously see him as the future at Nice. Uh, yeah, I think he's interesting left back. I'm sure we'll talk about it further. But um, he was one of the, I guess, lower end performers against Alger. Is there anyone else that particularly stood out? I think t- Thiago Mendes in midfield wasn't great. You could probably talk it, but that summed up one half FC really. He played really well at centre back and then played poorly in midfield. I think on that topic, I think we've got us underline that our um, one half FC hashtag is starting to trend and that the stadium is following it. I mean, supporters only showed up for one half because yeah, as I, I quote the bad guns, I think like our star players, we're going to show up for only one half. Yeah. So one half F- FC is definitely trending in the stadium yeah. now. It started here. It started here. <laughs> sure. No, you're right. I think that's well, before we go on to the next section of the podcast. What are your thoughts on the uh, the protest? I don't want you to go into them in detail. We'll be here for hours. But uh, do you think it had the desired impact in terms of the way the club view things? I think there was a noticeable difference in terms of atmosphere in the first and second half, Jonathan. D- definitely. I mean, the, uh, the fans make a difference in football and, and you can tell when they're there or not. Um, I actually... To be honest, the first half of the game, I watched without sound because my wife was sleeping and it was early in the morning. Uh, and so I just I just looked weird. The I, I could tell there was no, I didn't even know there was no sound until the second half I watched with sound and I could tell there was a atmosphere again. Um, but regarding the protest, everything they said in that letter was right. You know, they are correct that we deserve as supporters, you know, I know it's debatable, we deserve more respect and there needs to be more investment in the sporting part of the club. And all these press conferences are always nonsense, telling us everything's great. That's what's frustrating. If they just said, we, we're, we suck, and it's a tough we're, we're terrible, and we're not going to, we're not, we haven't won anything in 10 years, and we're not close to winning anything. If they said that, and we're going to invest, and we're going to, we, we'd, we'd be happy, but they don't. They say everything's great, and we're like a few games out, and we're going to, to win something someday and this is the year we're going to win the europa league i have a hunch i mean like that's not what we want to hear it's it's kind of ridiculous and um it's also the Juninho thing you know Juninho was was a good he came in to pete to, to make the fans happy but now it looks like uh, olas is going to put everything on him and if he's been building he's going to say olas is responsible or Juninho is responsible for everything that went wrong every bad transfer every bad decision is going to be Olas, or Juninho. First it was Garcia. They got Garcia for some things, but now it's Juninho. And so it's easy to do that all the time and say it's his fault. No one's taking responsibility. And we don't see any change. I haven't seen any changes in years. I, and, and I know a lot of fans feel like I do, that I'm I'm depressed at watching Lyon. I, I have very little enjoyment. I didn't even celebrate those goals against Angers. I celebrated the last goal because it's a game winner. But it's just I don't feel the same. I don't care as much. Um, I tell myself, why do I support this club when they give me nothing to look forward to? And I know there's many people around the world who support clubs that never win. You know, many clubs support teams in the middle of, of the table and they just go to the games and they're happy. And But Lyon is different because most people who support Lyon supported it because they were winning or they were accomplishing things. And now that there's really no hope, why are we spending our money and, and watching these games when we know we're not going to win anything? So it's it's hard. The right to protest I don't know if it's the right time right now to protest because we have this is actually when we need the fans. This is a very important stretch. It's not over. We can still go to Europa Conference League next year and finish in fifth place. So let's try to at least get that for next season so we have something to watch on weekdays. The fact we're praying for Europa Conference shows that protesting is probably justified. I think... You it's the best in. European Cup out there. I don't know what you're talking about. European yeah. Conference League for the win. We could actually. I mean, if you look at who's in it right now, you you yeah. can win it. Would be if they were probably in the... be the favourites to win it based on the teams left or up there. Up there, because I think anyone there's going to be some a decent Italian club in there as well. Roma and Marseille left out there at the moment. Roma well, at the moment, yes, but Roma looking to get Europa League. But you know, anyone Manchester United probably be in there next year. Um, so. There'll be some decent clubs in there. Uh, however you feel about Manchester United, it's a bigger club than Leon is. They, they may just not play it, though. That's what happened with Tottenham. They don't play it seriously. Fair. 
or then we'd have the whole of the Netherlands in the Conference League, which is always a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but I think the protests are something which are kind of expected when you're languishing in tenth. You've got your 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 owner on some Game of Thrones shit, saying that he's had visions that we're going to win the Europa League. You know, he's had a vision; it's going to happen. It's like, okay, we it's all right to have a bit of belief, and I think I, I mean, know, the last time someone had a dream was <laughs> was Tito, Tino, and, and we yeah. we know how that went. Let's let's be real, you know. If we get to the semis, we get past West Ham. I think some people may start to believe that's the sort of thing getting to a European Cup semi-final makes you do. But let's be real, West Ham are going to be a difficult team to beat based on the way we're playing, the way they're playing. They're definitely favourites, I would say. I think man for man, we've maybe got more quality in some areas of the pitch. But based on the way they're playing football, the way the fact, you know, they've got something to fight for in the league as well as Europe, they're more centred and organised than we are. Defensively, they're much better than we are. I think in terms of attacking areas, if you go through our midfield, we're probably stronger in terms of creative midfielders. And Dembele is in better form than Antonio, but it's um, it's, it's going to be difficult and protest whether happening or not. It's something that the fans have got a right to say, and I fully support any movement in terms that maybe gets all has to pull his finger out of his arse and forget about in you know tennis courts and bowling alleys and signs a decent left back or that type of thing. You know, it's it all comes down to what's happening on the football pitch for us fans. You know, we we might want an ice cream when we go to Group Armour Stadium, but. We'd much prefer three points than an ice Actually, cream. I, I beg to differ. I think Leo Dubo would definitely be really happy if we all had ice cream before going oh, to the stadium. Exactly. That that just sums it up. But uh, on a positive note, to finish on Angers and kind of segue into the next section, obviously, you mentioned, Jonathan, we did have something to celebrate. Um, Tete's kind of come... It's. I'm not sure how I feel about the transfer, really, based on the... Um, the reasoning of how it's happened, obviously, FIFA have introduced UEFA backs as well. This transfer window for players from Russia and um, Ukraine, based on the fact of obviously what's going on over there. If we do have any Ukrainian listeners, we fully support what you guys are going through. We couldn't imagine what that's happening, but obviously, that's been fortuitous for Leon in terms of the fact we've been able to. Sign Tete from Shakhtar Donetsk. Obviously, it's it's a loan signing in somewhat of a sense till the end of the season, but there's um there's lingerings that they're going to try signing permanently. And when you're scoring goals like that with your second touch after two minutes, I think everybody got pretty excited. Uh, for context, you did a great thread about him, Jonathan. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit more of what we can expect besides that um that cameo, I guess, which again eventually led to us winning the game. Well, yeah, he, he's a talented player. Uh, I don't know if the club made it, did it research and realized that he plays on the right side. You know, 99% of his career has been on the right wing, which is, he's basically the same player as Feb, um, but maybe a little bit more talented. So I don't know why we bought two in successive windows or, you know, right after the other. Um, we have too many players in that style. Awar, Feb, and Tete are all right or wingers midfielders i don't know where they are um but of course adding players is always a good thing especially good players um i don't want to get too excited because i can see nine games from now he's gonna not even start he's not even starting so you know a few games gonna start here and there maybe he scores a few goals and then he's going to go to some premier league club who can pay much more than us because he's still a, under contract till 2023 um but he does you know he does score a lot of goals for playing that position. This last season, he had over he had ten goals, I think, in the half of the Ukraine season, which is pretty good. I mean, he's around fifteen-ish goals this season. If that was his whole, that that's pretty good for a player who's not a striker. Um, you know, he he's always been statistically good. Obviously, the Ukrainian league, he's played. He scored against Man City. He scored against Real Madrid in his career. So he's been a pretty good player. Um, I hope we keep him because we've wanted a real winger for years. And he's actually a real winger who's, who can uh, 
provoked. He's very fast with his feet, and 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 he can he can get by people. So it's a little bit different than Fev, but they're both left-footed right-wing players, and so we have two of those. We have Toko Akambi, who's not really a left winger, playing left wing, and I think they thought they could put Tete on the left wing because he's left-footed, but that's not his position. So it's it reminds me a lot of the Shakiri transfer. They got him to play right wing because in the day he used to play right wing, but he's not a right wing anymore. And I don't think they really research the need of the position and, and filter. You know, like when you search on transformer, just filter the position and be like, that's the position we need. Instead, they just be like a winger. They just search a winger and they play, we can play any side. And so I'm not sure he's going to make a big difference um, because there's not enough time. And I don't want to get too invested in someone when I know he could leave us. Because he's worth more than the club is willing to spend. I don't think the club is willing to spend 20 plus million euros on him. And I would love to, but I don't think so. And English clubs are definitely willing to spend that money on him because it's a bargain and that's what he, he was, he was purchased for 15 million, you know, four years ago or three years ago. And now he's obviously better. So I would think um, we're lucky to have him. Hopefully he scores a few more goals. As I mentioned, joke earlier, he still doesn't know that we're not supposed to score these kind of goals. So keep going. Score these goals, score against West Ham, you know, and then go on, go on to bigger things. I think you're right. It's almost like a, a summer romance, really. We've got three months of him, and then you'll never see each other again, and then possibly bump into each other three or four years later, whether it be in the same place or, you know, in European competition or something like that. If we can get some goals out of him, our Alger, obviously, that was one of the most. I guess in the last few weeks, things that you could be excited about that we've won a game in such a dramatic manner. Um, if he can create more moments like that, you know, score a hat-trick against West Ham, um, I'm all for it, even if it's for three months. But I think you're right in terms of the position. Was he the right type of player? Possibly not. I think based on the Kakare injury, we could have probably done with someone more suited to central midfield or somebody in the left-hand side of play. I know uh, Solomon is really forward and uh, Neres uh, both play for Shakhtar as well and uh, Victor Sigankov were all rumoured as well when it was touted that we, we were going to sign somebody through this uh, new mini Ukrainian window but um, I think it's good to have players like Tete playing for Leon as you mentioned he's obviously got quality to play at a high European level I remember that game against Real Madrid where he got a goal and assist and Shakhtar won the game um, in that group when he was in Milan and Borussia Mönchengladbach I think in the same group I watched a lot of those because they tended to be the six o'clock games due to time difference and yeah he looked somebody that could cause problems he's dynamic he likes to get down the line but as you said he cuts inside and having a top level right winger that is naturally a winger not somebody who's been pushed out of position that can cut inside and score goals as we saw at the weekend obviously it wasn't him cut inside but he came more reserved inside from Gusto's positioning and then bends it in the bottom corner it's rare type of what Robin used to do so well what Salah does sometimes as well to have those sorts of wingers is quite rare so if we can keep him great but the fact we've got him for three months, it kind of strengthens us when things aren't going great. And as you said, if he's um, not ingrained into Leon culture, maybe we'll get some promising performances from him. Do you think we will sign him, Tom, going forwards? Do you think there's any possibility? Obviously, we've got that Bruno money still available. We only spent $15 million of it on Favre. When you look on the basis, it could be upwards of, I think, high 40s. Do you think it's something we could look at exercising or would you be... For seeing him as Jonathan did go into the Premier League within the next three to four months. I think if it's above twenty, it's gonna be a tricky one. I think twenty twenty-five is probably the more they would put, especially with Fevre being there. Uh, I think if we hadn't signed Fevre, then definitely I think they would have gone for it. Um I think he's Ted has got an appeal uh with Leon. Obviously the Casapa link, uh, you know, he was his first manager at international level. Uh, under 15s, I think, for Brazil. Um, and obviously, there's that, you know, Portugal, uh, Brazilian link. Thing is, we know that Paqueta is most likely going to leave this summer. Um, is Enrique supposed to be his best friend? I mean, maybe, you know, whatever. Tago Mendes might be his best friend as well. But realistically, to settle in, he's going to need some strong ties with the club. 
I don't know if recent, um, you know, Marcelo and Marcel and all that stuff, is that really vouching for how amazing the club is? I don't know, but <clears throat> does he fit in the Premier League? I don't know. That's a whole lot of debates that we don't necessarily need to have, but um, I would definitely see him more in Spain or something. But uh, if he can stay, then great. You know, um, maybe he's even like willing to say, well, I stay for another loan or something. But realistically, what's going to be left of Shakhtar? I mean, it's very unfortunate, and, and Donetsk is one of the one of the regions that's been most hit with the the, the conflict. So I don't think there's really going to be much to go back to. Um, he's definitely not in a position that we necessarily needed, um, but whoever knows what's going to happen this summer. You know, a lot of players might be leaving. Uh, if we keep Fevre and and Shirky definitely comes back into a central position, then we don't have fifty options on the right either. So. Maybe we have Fevre and Tete alternating. But if you're going to spend like 15 million on Fevre and however much on Tete, you're going to have to play both of them at some point. Um, so I don't really know how that's going to work unless you play, I don't know, Fevre as a striker. I just, at this point, I don't know. You've just got to be creative. So Is there an argument to be made that Fev can play in midfield? I know for Brest, he has yeah. played in the midfield. Field three sure. or you know as a number ten, I think yeah, yeah. he's a bit more versatile than Tete is for sure. Um, but you know, we'll see. I I hope that he can score another two or three goals at least. Um, you know, whoever knows, he might come in, cut inside from Cresswell, and bang another top hit goal on the return leg in the Groupama Stadium to win us to get the tie. I would love that, and then get us like an overhead kick in Sevilla in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> Whoever knows what could happen, but um, you know he's, he's an exciting player. Whoever he'll stay at Leon is a whole different debate, but uh, we wish him all the best, obviously. And if he can score us another few goals, then great. For sure, if we can even get the next three months out of him and he scores sure. say, four or five goals and that maybe not gets us the Europa League, but even gets his Europa Conference, I'm sure his little cameo at Leon will be remembered fondly. If he can come up with more moments like that, I'm all for it. It seems like it could be a good transfer. But again, we can't get too excited to just get heartbroken three months down the line when we've all fallen in love with him and then he goes and signs for somebody like Leicester, someone like that, you know, for 20, 25 million. Leeds replace Rafinha. We've got to be it. That wouldn't be a bad shout, you know, in terms of stylistically. I think he could fill that hole. But yeah, in general... We'll say don't get excited because despite Olas and Tete all motoring towards the fact that they want him to stay and he wants to stay, whether it's possible, probably not. I think it would depend on somebody like Paqueta leaving and we spending some of that money on him as the direct replacement and moving further essentially, which doesn't look like the um, the best option, but who knows, we'll see. Um, so in terms of the rest of the podcast, obviously we beat Porto last time out. 2-1 on aggregate, probably not the most convincing performance in the second leg. 1-1, hard for Obviously, the first leg, we were probably lucky as well with the penalty overturned. They had a couple of decent chances. Porto are a good side. I guess going into this game then, obviously, we're recording on Wednesday. We play West Ham on Thursday. <clears throat> Excuse me. With the first leg being in London as well, I didn't watch the first... I'd be lying if I watched the West Ham Sevilla game, but you know, they've beaten Sevilla, who were probably one of the favourites based on their track record in this competition. The the thing that struck me was the atmosphere in the extra time when Suchek and then Yarmolenko scored. It almost felt like something they'd not really experienced because I remember when they left the bowling ground, you'll remember Tom when they beat Manchester United 3 2 in the final game. Uh, they had the atmosphere which was a difficult place to go to somewhere that teams probably wouldn't be with an air of confidence despite whether they're being 16th or 17th in the Premier League as they sometimes could be but that's the first time I've seen the London Stadium like that and I'm not familiar with West Ham fans in general I know there's a couple of famous ones like there is with every football club but that's something that could play in their favour for this fixture. Do you think that's something that could give West Ham an upper hand, Tom? Or do you think that we've shown we can possibly 
deal with those difficult ties as we have done in Europe. We've got an excellent record in Europe, really, when you go back over the last two or three years, um, especially in the Champions League. Winning these ties, difficult places to go. Are you in that state of mind that that could be an impact for West Ham? Or do you think we've got the pedigree and a bit a bit more know-how in Europe to get over the line? We definitely have more know-how. I mean, West Ham... Last year, I think I've read that it was the first time they qualified for Europe through the league rather than through a cup. Um, they won the Cup Winners' Cup, I think it was called in English, a few like a whole long, long time ago. And obviously, some of the iconic players, you know, Bobby Moore is up there. Um, a lot of players have come and gone, especially through the academy, the, the Lampards, uh, Rio Ferdinand, and all that stuff. But recently, it's been. Obviously, in the last decade, they've gone down. Uh, I mean, bordering the last decade, but they went down in 2011 um, to the championship, came back up, had a great season with Payet. Um, and, you know, since Moyes has come in, it's been constant progression. Um, there's new investors coming in uh, who are really rich and so on. And it'll be a question, it'll be interesting to see whether the investors really put in as much money as they could you know one of the investors is mr sullivan has got like 1.2 billion pounds and the other guys are at 4 billion pounds so you just don't know how much they're going to invest um but whatever is happening i think the club is better run than it has been you know there's summers where they've really put in like 100 million and nothing's ever come out of it this year although i don't vibe as much with lasic and so on but i think signs of Sushek and Sufa last year. Uh, Jared Bowen is an incredible signing, four nails and etc. So it's a uh, it's a healthy club who are starting to really worry a lot of Premier League clubs around them. Um, I think their aim is to sort of be fighting with the higher echelons. I think you know before everyone was like you should aim to be a Leicester and so on, but Leicester are falling off a bit these days. So they'll be fighting with with top six, top eight, and so on. Um, but as you said, you know, it's one of the first times where the, the London Stadium really felt like home again. You know, they've, they've got great supporters, you know, West Ham, wherever they go, they're, they're intense. Um, maybe a bit too intense, you know, there's the Battle of, of Sevilla that's now famous after fighting with Frankfurt fans a few months ago. Um, but, you know, it's it's a healthy club, great songs and so on. But they never really moved into that stadium until I think that Sevilla game is definitely one of them. You know, they they lost the first leg uh, at home, uh, so it was a difficult one. It was a tricky one, not something they expected. Uh, but then they went away, put along the fans, and won in Sevilla, which is just was so unexpected. And you know, I'm thinking back of great moments of West Ham I've had recently. You know, Lanzini's comeback goal against Spurs a few months ago was incredible. Uh, there's a recent win against his great cup run this year, uh, beating They've both... Beaten Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. They've beaten both Manchester's back-to-back in the cup. Um, so it's been a great season for them. 2022 has been a bit more tough, but uh, they, they come in with confidence. Now the real question is, they're fighting for Europe. How much are they going to put into the league versus our game. Thing is, they, well, they were pretty poor this weekend in Everton, but they didn't waste that much energy and they're playing Brentford this weekend between the two games. Moyes doesn't really rotate that squad. So whatever happens, I think it's going to be the regulars are going to be on the pitch. Lanzini suspended, Ogbonna's been out for months. So you're going to have pretty much the first team fighting 100%. And realistically, West Ham have not been in this position in such a long time so they're going to fight for it you know europe is not coming around every week for them and at least not recently they might do in the future so that way leg this week at london same i'm expecting quite a crowd uh hopefully it's not i mean even for the ambience and so on it's not just plastic west ham fans are like oh my god it's europe let's let's go and check it out let's hope it's the the real diehard fans who can bring really great ambience as much as the stadium isn't adapted to football um, i think it's starting to become a bit more a place like home and uh, hopefully they've got a proper english you know sentiment and, and vibes in, in europe so 
that could be really tricky for Leon now away game. I think if we we get anything, if we get a draw, I think that'd be great. I think to start with uh, and bring it back to the Palmer Stadium, where hopefully we don't have another protest and we have as many home fans as we can get. I would be expectant that there's a lot of Leon fans in the ground for the return leg against West Ham. Obviously, it's a sellout at London Stadium, which is probably a first for West Ham in terms of a game of this size, probably against Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, maybe the close to a sellout, but I don't think they've actually sold out in this manner before. So it kind of goes as this is one of the biggest games in their recent club history. They've even got a song saying that they're going to win the Europa League. I'm not sure that they will, but they're starting to believe already and it's the quarterfinals. I'm, I don't think we're of the expectancy that we could or will win the competition, whereas they're already dreaming about the interfering, surprisingly. About six weeks' time. I guess for you, Jonathan, are you more on our side of things? Are you believing that we will get a result against uh, West Ham at the London Stadium and then manage to get through in the second leg? Or are you feeling that, based on their league form, as Tom said, since David Moyes has come in, in the last two years, he's transformed the club. Bowen's flying. Rice is one of the best midfielders in the world. Are you of the opinion that that's going to be too difficult for us or do you think we've got enough quality, as we've shown against Porto, that we can get through? Um. That's a great question. I, I think I'm torn. I, I do believe that experience in these moments is so important. And the big teams, the teams that have experience in Europe, constantly keep winning, even when they're not as good as you think. Like Real Madrid, like you see right now. And, and, and I think that Lyon has built this European uh, level where we're, we're good in Europe. I mean, we, we, Lyon rarely disappoints you know, in Europe. It, it has happened. But in these big matches... People don't want to play, you know, and, and they have experience and and they're not, oh, we're so excited to be here in quarterfinals. Uh, West Ham is, is so overwhelmed to be here. This is a huge moment for them. And sometimes that comes back and, and bites you because you're you're not, you know, you're too excited. You're not prepared for this moment. And it takes time to grow as a club. So West Ham has a lot of money. They've been very good the past few years. Um, you know, they have a great roster, great energy. They obviously have a lot of attributes where they're better than Lyon. But Lyon plays well against big teams. They, Every big team we play, we're, we're good. We played Porto, we played PSG, played well. We obviously beat the Glasgow Rangers, are also in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Um, so I would say that Lyon is, is not that we're favored, because I don't think we are. It's, it's impossible to say that against a Premier League club. But I think that the mentality of Lyon is we're, going, we're trying to win this from the beginning of the tournament, has been we're trying to win the Europa League, arrive in the final. They're not excited to just be here. This means nothing to them, really being quarterfinals, as opposed to other West Ham, who was like extremely pleased to be here. And some, and so I think that's a risk for them. I'm, I'm very worried that in London, it's a blowout. And West Ham just, where their energy and just, you know, no Kekrin, it's like a 3-0 and it's over. So I really hope that they can be careful. And I think Tom's right that if we can just draw... If we can just keep it calm and not lose, that's a huge, huge change because the park will all be full and it'll be then a big match in a, of Europa League, you know, for, for us. So, um, very important not to get blown out. Hopefully, it's full because they've not sold all the tickets for the Leon fans in London, uh, which I know is a complication. I mean, you know, Liam and I are on that supporters club. It's been a mess, but yeah, it's stupid. It's not something I'd want to go in, really, but English fans aren't allowed in in the game where, you know, it's the most accessible. For example, I've tried to get tickets through contacting the club, contacting fan clubs, and I've been told because I've not got um, any form of French identification, I'm not allowed to go to the game. It's not the nicest thing to hear, but I do understand it. But, you know, when you're trying to generate an atmosphere in what's going to be quite a difficult atmosphere for the players, you want your own fans there to back you. I'm not going to say I'll be able to join in with all the French chants, but I'll definitely be there supporting the team, hoping that we win. Yeah, I mean, they've put out like a whole protection over half the seats that were allocated to Lyon because yeah. there's not enough people there. It's ridiculous. But obviously, if the, if the club are making it somewhat difficult to get to the game, 
That's the way it is. You can't even go ground hopping. I mean, Liam said, you know, you can't join in all the chants. I've been around the Netherlands here without being Dutch. And God knows it's hard to follow Dutch songs, but I try. And I'm sure Liam would have tried very hard as well. Uh, not that there's many French famous Leon songs, but, you know, there's, there's, there would have been an attempt. So it would have been nice. But hopefully the, the few thousands that managed to make it to the stadium will be helping us out because it's going to be going to be rocking and it's going to be forever blowing bubbles as they say which but i find this amazing song we need that for the away like we need fifty thousand in the group armor stadium there ready to do the same thing and i think if you can get fifty thousand, as jonathan said with that know-how with the experience with things possibly tied it's a home game for us then we probably become the favourites in the tie if you've got 50,000 Leon fans behind them. You know, West Ham fans will come in the thousands as well. They're, they're not somebody, they're not going to miss out on an opportunity to come to Leon and see their team playing European football. But if we can create an atmosphere, we possibly become favourites. So I think you're right. Getting, the, getting past the first game, getting that result, who knows, we could even maybe get a win by a goal or so. That'd be fantastic, but just keeping things tight. I don't even think losing by one goal would be the worst-case scenario. We don't want to lose a game of football, obviously. But if we can keep things tight, be competitive and get the result, that's what matters. And I think if we came back to the Group Armour Stadium, we could possibly beat them with that note. And as you said, Jonathan, the fact that they're not experienced in this and that we have experienced it and we're just viewing it as another European quarterfinal, something we experience on the regular, it's not got the same air of expectancy that it will for them. So before we finish up, um, can I get an aggregate score and whether you think we'll go through or not? I know we've discussed for the, this section of the podcast, we think it's going to be a difficult game. The experience probably going to be a factor. Do you think that's going to be enough to propel us through, Tom? I think uh, there's definitely more experience, at least from the club level, but also from individual level. Uh, there's so many players who've done really quite a lot of European games um, in their career. You know, thinking of Tete, thinking of of Lopez. Now has got a bit more experience, uh, and Boateng if he ever plays. Um, so we definitely got more experience. It'll be a difficult game uh, away um, because the crowd will be fighting for it, and it's a special, special game for West Ham's history. But uh, I think we'll we'll scrape through. Uh, it'll be uh, probably a one nil loss in London and then a two nil win at home. Um, but I definitely expect probably extra time at least uh, with this new non non away goal rule. I think that's to, to be expected. I'm definitely confident that we can get through, but it's uh, it's going to be a difficult game for sure. I think just avoiding penalties is the key thing. Just, just get through, win the, win the game in fifteen minute battles. Try get a result against West Ham at their ground and win it back. I think you put up a good, ideal performance. Whether that happens, not so much. What about you, Jonathan? Are you of the opinion that we're going to get through, or are you expecting that it'll be a bit more of a shaky game, but possibly extra time points? be your worst nightmare we're going to go to penalty kicks and we're going to <laughs> lose because anthony lopez is not a specialist at the penalty kicks um i think it's going to be very narrow it could go either way i'm predicting one one both legs um and it, you know i would love to see us win i do worry that we get blown out in the first leg you know like three nil and then we hold the whole second leg is is finished and that's my number one hope is just to have a good second leg so we can enjoy one good match this season and and have some emotion i think that's the hope from everyone that you know we've got a full group armor stadium with fifty thousand fans with some things still left to play for just getting through that first game is the big thing for me i'm gonna say that we do Hopefully rather unscathed, I'll say we draw the first leg 1-1 and then I can see us having enough with the experience, with the, I guess, bit more know-how in European competition based on the players we've got and they've shown already against Porto and that the Europa League specialist Tuckler Canby wins it in extra time. So I'll go 3-2 on aggregate, but I don't say that with any air of confidence. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost the first leg 3-0 and then drew 0-0 in the second leg and we can't get out of first gear. 
who knows, Leon are probably the most unpredictable team in domestic and league competition this season. Uh, Euro- European competition either, sorry. Hopefully we get through, but I'm not going to say anything with confidence that jinxes. us. Um, other than that, hopefully we can, well, win. We'll come back next week on the back of three wins, hopefully. A bit of form going into the second leg with a packed group armour stadium. Don't expect it though, Leon. No one knows, but on that note, we'll catch you next time. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye.